Have you ever struggled with understanding the Word of God? You're not alone. Let's look at the scriptures together and understand how we can apply biblical principles in our daily lives, right here on the Creekside Podcast. Hey man, how's it going? Good, James. How are you? I'm wonderful. This is the Creekside Podcast. My name is James Pivahouse, and this is our co-host, Drew Byers. Co-host? I guess. Ah, man, that's a title I've never had before. Well, now so you have it. That's awesome. Yeah. That's, I, I, I feel important. Uh, you should. Yeah. You're it's like uh, actually the most important part of the show. Well, I, I doubt that. <laughs> I highly doubt that. Because if you weren't here, it would just be me sitting here in a room talking to myself. But because you're here... Right. Now you're not weird. The people can hear... Yeah, now I'm not <laughs> weird. Right. The people can hear us because you've got all the, the technology and stuff hey. uh, set up. Which is why there hasn't been a podcast in a little while. There's not. And I've... Man, I'll tell you what. I've missed it. Yeah. Yeah. I had the... Uh, I had the famous COVID virus. I've heard of that. Have you? I have, yeah. It's not well known. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it, yeah, that was not fun. Yeah. And so being back, being able to study the Word of God with you, man, this is this is much needed. Yeah. So. Well, I'm I'm just grateful that you've recovered, and it's been a it's been a crazy month. So it's yeah. uh, but we're all we're all good. We're all feeling good and and healthy. And it sounds like the world is slowly I turning think, back onto the right axis here. So yeah, I think we're gonna form a new normal pretty soon yeah. and we'll be back to that uh you know one of the greatest things though is that one of the things that never changes is god and That's the exactly word of god right. it exactly stays right. true the whole time um and and that for me is a huge comfort that mm. no matter what decisions i have to make if it's um you know losing my job in 2020 um because of a global pandemic i still didn't have any doubts in my god because he never changes and so, anyways, yeah, a little that's plug. Good. That's God good to there. think about. Yeah. So today we're going to be in Romans. We're going to start in chapter one. It's always a good place to start. Uh, <laughs> we're going to go to verse sixteen and seventeen, though. Um, you want to start out with re- reading that for us? I do, and I just want to say that I'm not going to do justice to all that uh, Romans, even though we're we're just going to look at two verses today. Um, we could spend, you know, hundreds of hours of podcasts talking about the Book of Romans. It is the uh, the Mount Everest of the of the New Testament. I think you could say of the whole Bible, it's the highest heights. Um, and so we're just going to try and get uh, look at some big themes and some big ideas today, and kind of drill down on them. And so because of that, we're just going to park on these couple of verses and just try to uh, get all that we can out of them. Uh, but because of that. Um, yeah, it's uh, there's a lot more that we could say, I guess, on these topics. So let me just read uh, these verses. This is Romans 1, 16 and 17. Uh, this is what the Apostle Paul writes. He says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. And I think you're right. There's a lot in Romans. Uh, Romans is actually one of my favorite books of the Bible. I say that about every book of the Bible, though. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I really do enjoy Romans. Um, one of my favorite parts about the Bible, though, is that it's consistent. It's constantly talking about basically the same thing. The Old Testament is foreshadowing into Jesus. The sure. New Testament is all about Jesus. Um, so... This these two verses have a lot packed in them, um, but I want to start with in verse sixteen. 
what is the gospel? Yeah, Paul says in verse 16, I am not ashamed of the gospel. Um, and it's important that we understand what the gospel is. And this is not a... Uh, this is not a subject that is, you know, that's never been talked about before. There's been a lot of uh, conversation and debate about what is the gospel uh, and Paul's understanding of the gospel. But uh, based on what he understands, Christ, you have done for us, um, is that in First Corinthians 15, he tells us, "This is the gospel I delivered to you. This is of first importance that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures and was raised on the third day." Um, that's that's kind of a, a summary position of the gospel, um, but it's this this idea that God is reconciling man to himself. Uh, that's that's the good news of the gospel, that we can be made right with God, uh, that we can be made just before God, not on the basis of our own works or our own striving, but on the basis of what Christ has done for us. That's the, that's the good news of the gospel. So Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. He's not going to be ashamed of that message. He's not going to... Uh, refrain from declaring that message that it's only going to be Jesus who you can be who will save you who can reconcile you to God, reconcile you to God and I think it's important that Paul says this uh, because the gospel was a could have been a source of shame for many people in that culture um I think about Acts 17 Paul goes to Athens uh and he 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 goes to this this city where there are there's worship of all these gods and they even have a um, a statue or an idol or a place to the unknown God, and, and Paul goes and tells them, you know, there's there is a God who you know who's created you, and in Him we live and move and have our being, all this kind of stuff. And he's talking about the one true God, and what do the people do? Like most of them just go like walk away, mm-hmm. like then they, they say, well, we might hear you about this again. But the number of people, like Paul speaking, what it seems like to this huge crowd, and most of the people turn away, but there's a few that stay and the few that listen. And that's just a reminder that the gospel is always good news. It is always good to preach the gospel, even if it causes people to look down upon us, to look, you know, to, to turn away from us. To uh, The gospel is going to be offensive because at the, at the heart of it, the gospel's not really about you, Mm-mm. right? And, and I love to live my life like everything revolves around me. You know, that's just, that's human right. nature. Um, but the gospel's about God and it's about Jesus. And so Paul's saying here, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not going to be ashamed by declaring this gospel message that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He's the only way, the only truth, and the only life. And when we begin to get exclusive with Christianity, when you know, and that's what, you know, Acts, just Acts 17, that one example, um, the, they wanted the pantheon of gods. Yeah, I can worship this god. I can worship that god. I can worship Zeus. I can worship you know what the unknown god. And we'll just put Jesus right along with that. And Paul says, no, that's that's not what this is. An exclusive thing. Uh, this, this is not universalism. The only way people can be reconciled to a holy God who has created everything is through Jesus Christ. That's what that's what he's getting at there um, by saying he's not ashamed of the gospel. And this next. Uh, this next clause there in verse 16, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. Mm-hmm. I think that's important that you must believe the gospel if you are to be saved. It's not just hearing the gospel. Yeah. Um, you, you, The gospel must be preached in order for it to be understood, but you must put your faith in this gospel message if you are to be saved. And that's, um, it's not just, oh, that's a really nice story. That's a really nice thing. I, a number of years ago, I had a, uh, I had a, uh, a, an assignment when I was in seminary, and I had to. Uh, it was an evangelism class, and they they said you you have to, one of the assignments in the class was you had to go and 
uh, find people and share the gospel with them. You had to find non-Christians and share the gospel with them. And part of me, you know, part of me is like, oh, I hate to make that like an assignment, you mm-hmm. know, because that just seems kind of coercive. But the intention of this course was really good. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the time, I was serving at a church as a student pastor, and so I thought, you know what, this was this is not just a skill I need. This is a skill also my students need. So I took three of the guys I was discipling, and I took them to Walmart, mm-hmm. and I said, guys, we're just gonna go into Walmart, and that's, this is not a practice that I recommend. Like this is, you know, this is kind of uh, unique. Hopefully, you ha- you know non Christians, you're able to share. The gospel with just a little more organically, uh, but at that at that time I had a I had a due date on this assignment and and Walmart was open. So anyway, I took these guys to the to, the, to this Walmart and I uh, there was a lady in this aisle and me and this one of my students walked up to her and said, "Hey, uh, can we talk to you about God?" And she was like, "Why would you want to do that? You know why why would why would you want to just come up to me? I'm here and buying shampoo or whatever it is, and I know that that might be annoying to some people, but I just asked her. I said, "What do you believe?" And she said, "I don't believe in anything." Hmm. And I said, so you're an atheist. She goes, no, I don't even, I wouldn't even go that far. You know, I don't mean, I don't believe in anything. And she just really didn't want to have a conversation. So I just said, well, can I share with you what I believe? And she said, sure. And I told her, I said, I believe that God, you know, created the world good and that man fell by his sin, you know, and every one of us is a sinner, but God has sent Jesus to be our perfection, to live a life we couldn't live, to die the death we should have died. And he was crucified on the cross and rose again from the dead. And if you believe in him, you can have life in his name. And she said, well, that's a really beautiful thing. I'm glad you believe that. And it was like, you know, I'm, I'm sharing the gospel with her. And maybe I could have done a more faithful job or asked more questions or whatever, but just trying to right. trying to do that. She did not believe. You know, she might have, she might have believed that was a good thing for me to believe, exactly. but she and herself. So the gospel, the power of the gospel comes in the belief of the gospel. And I think it's an important thing. It's not just, oh, that's a beautiful story or that's right. a really nice thing. But no, Jesus actually stood in my place. In my place condemned, he stood, right, as the hymn writer says. Uh, that's, a, that's an important thing and a fundamental thing for us to get at. That's why Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's only in the gospel there's power yeah. uh, that, that God gives, uh, that God's able to save people. And it says, for everyone who believes, there's no distinction. Anyone who believes the gospel will be saved. That's yeah. a promise of Scripture. Yeah. I think there's two really important things. There's a lot of important things that you've said, but two of those— uh, one being that you uh, you have to have faith, that belief. Yeah. And I think, you know, we also use the word faith uh, when we talk about being faithful. Um, that word faith is still in there. Yeah. Um, and that's an action. You know, I think there's a lot of action to being, to having faith. Mm. Um, that that um, actively being in a relationship. Yeah. And so that leads me to that the second important part of that, which is I was listening to a, a guy the other day that, um, he, he knows all these philosophers and he knows um, all, all the people that had lived. He's a, a historian. And so he did believe in Jesus. He knew that Jesus was a real person, but he did not believe he was the son of God. Yeah, He didn't believe he was the Messiah. Right. So that is the gospel. Yeah, and it's not it's, it's not just believing facts about no. Jesus. Right? It's not just historically, okay, I can verify, the, okay, the tomb's empty. That, no, it's that Jesus saved me on right. the cross like that it's it's a personal not just a kind of an object there is objective truth to the gospel right it's verifiable but it's a it's a faith thing you know it's yeah. it's a thing that uh it's, it's supernatural in a real in a real sense that i believe i'm banking my hope on jesus and his faithfulness so if jesus doesn't come through for me 
I'm not going to be saved. Right. But the Bible's message is that Jesus will always come through for us, right? So always. we can place our faith in him. And you're right. It is it is an active, uh, I'm placing my trust. I'm, I'm going to act upon, I'm going to live like this is true. This is this changes my life. So it's not just a fact I file away over here somewhere. No, the gospel changes everything. It, it saves me. It regenerates right. my heart, you know? Uh, and, and because of that, I'm a new creation in, in Christ. And that, I think it's significant for us to drill down on there yeah and just real quick to a quick point something i learned the other day was that if you look in the dictionary the word faith uh it says faith in something that has no evidence and if you look at the christianity uh definition of faith through the bible it's the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen we believe we have faith because of evidence right which is really neat because most people they say, well, I have faith I, 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 because there's no evidence. I have to have faith. We say, well, there is evidence, yeah. so therefore we have the faith, right? which is really neat. Yeah. yeah. Um, that kind of leads me to the next part, um, talking about belief and stuff. Uh, Paul mentions that it's first to the Jew and then also to the Gentile in yeah. uh, verse 16. What, what does that mean? Yeah, uh, it's Jesus was Jewish. Uh, there's no denying that. He was a Jewish man that lived in the first century. Um he would have been involved in the Jewish culture, uh, involved in keeping the Jewish law, mm-hmm. and the whole Old Testament, like you said before, the Old Testament, and the New Testament, right? It never, it never changes, and it's all interconnected. And the gospel is really the hinge upon which the whole Bible turns, right? So all of the law, all of the prophets, all of the writings of the Old Testament are building up to this statement that Jesus is the Messiah. He is the Son of God. He is the Christ. The salvation has come first to the Jews, right? Because the Jews were, the Israel was the vehicle by which God would bring about those covenant promises he made to Abraham, right? Back in Genesis chapter 15, he says, in you, Abraham, all of the nations of the world will be blessed. How is that going to happen? It's going to be through Jesus redeeming people from every tribe, tongue, and nation. So the gospels come first to the Gent- to the Jews, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the, all the, all of the most of the disciples were Jews. Paul was certainly a Jew. Jesus was a Jew. It's come first to the Jews, but it's not just exclusively to the to the Jews that the gospels come. It's also now come to the Gentiles. You read the book of Acts, you see this kind of transition. The first Christians in Jerusalem, you know, are predominantly Jewish, but the the Gentile church uh, and the Jewish church are. It's not as if there's uh, church A and Church B. All right, there's one church, uh, right? So if you read in the book of uh, in the book of Ephesians, or you, you read about the church in Ephesus, right? It would have been really easy for Paul to say, "Okay, y'all are Jewish, y'all go over here and make a Jewish church. Y'all are Gentiles, y'all go over here and make a Gentile church." That's not what he does. Right. He says, "No, Jews who believe in Jesus, Gentiles who believe in Jesus, all people who believe in Jesus are a part of this one." church. So while there are cultural differences that might be present there, while there are things that are uh, unique about the the way in which these two cultures uh, react and live, the thing that unites them is not their cultural affinities. It is the gospel. It is G- it's the gospel of Jesus Christ. So salvation's come first to the Jew, also to the Greek. That's just talking about the historical precedence, that the, that the, the gospel, uh, the whole Old Testament was leading forward to this. But, but what you realize as you read Acts is that the Jews didn't want to believe. Uh, Israel did not want to become the the did not want to believe that Jesus was the Messiah, and so Paul went to the Gentiles, right, and preached the gospel, and many of the Gentiles believed, uh, and God in His providence is is uh, breaking down that wall of hostility between Jew and Gentile, so that there is one church, there is one people of God redeemed by the blood of Jesus. Yeah, 
Um, if you look at at the very beginning of chapter one, um, I believe it's uh, verse five. Through him we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all Gentiles. And then six, including you who are also called by Jesus Christ. And that's amazing. And yeah. if you keep going, you know, it even talks about uh, because of the resurrection, because of him actually being the son of God. Right. That's what affords us that. Yeah, and I think it's it's important, uh, you, you know, your translation there uh, in verse number five uh, bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the Gentiles. Mine says above all the nations. That's that Greek word uh, where we get our word ethnicity. So it's it's not, uh, it's you know, we're both guys who live in Tennessee. Uh, we are, you know, we're, we're kind of southern guys. We like, you know, country music and bonfire, you know, those, those kinds of things that you kind of think are culturally appropriated to this kind of geographical region, right? right. Um, the, the, the important thing about me and other Christians is not that we like those same cultural affinities. I have more in common with a believer in Zambia who believes the gospel of Jesus Christ. I have more in common with that brother mm. who doesn't speak my language, doesn't like the hobbies that I like, doesn't you know think the same way I do about a lot of things probably right. than I do with my neighbor who that doesn't believe in Jesus, but likes the same kind of music, likes the same kind of activities, cheers for the Tennessee Vols, all that kind of stuff that I really, you know, that it, it's just part of my culture, right? I have more in common. We've got to we've got to understand that in the church and just celebrate that fact because it's really easy for us to take our culture and think it's our cultural affinities that actually make the gospel powerful, right? You know uh, that I'll I will adopt the things that my culture says are honorable, the thing that my culture says is 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 right and that is true and good, rather than adopting those things that the gospel says are, are true, right and true and good, right? Yeah. Uh, and I think that's I think that's significant for us to understand, and that's kind of what Paul's getting at here. It's it's not because of your culture that you're saved; it's because of the gospel. Uh, the transcend your culture transcends the way that you uh, exist in your in your uh, in your locality, right? It's it's a bigger it's a bigger thing than that. It's not just the color of your skin; it's not just your ethnicity. Uh, that's important. It's the fact that you are redeemed by the blood of Jesus. And Jesus, you know, you read Revelation, and it says that people from every tribe, tongue, and nation gather around the throne. Right. Uh, and that's the that's the picture that we get of the church. The church is not about uh, ethnicity. Necessarily, is what he's getting at here. It's about the gospel. If you believe the gospel, you're part of the church, and you'll be you'll be saved. And there's things that we got to work out. We got to learn how to live with each other. That's a lot about what you know. A lot about at the end of the book of Romans is about the Jews and the Gentiles figuring out how to get along with each other, how to live and coexist in church life. Uh, but that's the the struggle proves that the gospel has power to save. Right. Oh, yeah. The struggle between believers to try to figure out how to live together in peace with each other proves that the gospel unites us together. And we've got there's growing pains that exist there, and we've got to learn how to serve and to love each other. Right. Um, but what we can't do is highlight the things that are not gospel qualities in our uh, in our gathering together. Right. That I want everyone that I go to church with to look like me, talk like me, think like me about non-important issues. No. Do they believe the gospel? Do they yeah. love the Bible? Do they love their brothers and sisters in Christ? You know, those things are so much more important than these other cultural affinities that we might talk about over here. Yeah, yeah, politics and all that stuff as well. That, that all goes in there. Exactly. Which leads me to the next question I had here. Um, uh, I'm just going to go to verse 17 real quick and make sure I say it correctly. Um, at the end, it says the righteousness will live. Or no, I'm sorry, it's up here. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. Uh, 
Tell me a little bit. What is that from faith to faith? What is that? Yeah, it's it's from the beginning of the end. The righteousness of God um, is about faith. We're not going to be made righteous in God's sight apart from faith, apart from our belief in Jesus. God has to make us righteous. We can't make ourselves righteous. And uh, as Ephesians says, it is by grace through faith that we have been saved. It is the gift of God, not a result of work, so that no one can boast. And so uh, Paul was really getting getting at it here in verse 17. For in it, that is in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. We understand God's righteousness by looking at the gospel. And this, I, I was listening to uh, a Bible teacher uh, teach on this uh earlier uh, on verse 17 and that idea of righteousness is the idea of like a a just scale Mm. so like if you go to the marketplace uh, and you would go to the market they might have a scale there and they would attempt to balance the scale let's say you were buying a bunch of flour a bunch of grain or something um, and you had a you know they, they have a rock that okay if you give me this much money this is the rock that I'll use to weigh how much grain I'm going to give you. And so they want to make sure those scales balance. So they might dump some grain out and they say, oh, the rock is heavier than the grain. Let me put a little bit more grain on to balance out. Or they might put too much grain on once they take some. So it's making sure that you're getting the right amount of, uh, of whatever it is you've paid for. Mm. So the righteousness of God. Let's think about this. The holiness of God is that standard. Whatever we put on the other side will not balance the scale, right? The righteousness of God will be far better, uh, far weightier. The scale will never balance, and there's never anything that we can do to to earn the righteousness of God. There's no amount of good deeds that we can do. How must we? How must we receive the righteousness of God? Well, it's by faith. Jesus has to do the work for us. And I think it's important for us to understand. Some some people think about their lives like a cosmic scale, that if my good deeds outweigh my bad deeds, then I'll get to heaven. That's not at all. That's not the message of the Bible. The Bible teaches that we must be obedient to the Lord, but it's not actually our obedience that saves us. It is Christ's obedience Mm -hmm. that saves us. And and I just want want to make this clear. If we lived that way, like our... Our deeds, if they are, if our good deeds outweighed our bad deeds. Okay, so for every one good deed that you did, it might cancel out one bad deed that you've done. You would live your whole life just to get to zero. Right. But the righteousness of God is not zero. It's in the positive, right? It would, it's in the, the you know a hundred, you know. So you live your whole life to get up out of the negatives. How are you going to get into the positives? Right. You know what I mean? Uh, the only answer there is Jesus, right? Jesus was actively obedient. That he, not only did he never sin, he always did everything that was right. So we we, do, we use this terminology uh, in theology to talk about Jesus' passive obedience and his active obedience. So his passive obedience is that Jesus never did anything that was wrong, right? Mm-hmm. He never disobeyed. His active obedience is that he always did what was right, so it's it's both of those. It's both of those things. Jesus never did anything that the law for, uh, forbid, and he always did what the law required. He always was act, he was passively obedient and never disobeying. He was actively obedient and always doing what was right. And so, but it's both of these things that make up the righteousness of God, right? That that standard that God has set for us. That's why it's only in Jesus we can be saved. Uh, it's revealed from faith for faith, from the beginning to the end. The righteousness of God is. 
It's about faith. It's about your faith. God, God will make you righteous if you believe in Jesus. That's awesome. And now that ending part, that's, yes. uh, I wanted to ask about. Yes. It's in bold in my Bible, which yes. means it's a reference. It says the righteous will live by faith. So where is it? In the Bible where it says that, what are we referencing? Yeah, to? it's Habakkuk 2, verse 4. Your Bible, if you have a good study Bible, it probably has a footnote there. If you turn back to the book of Habakkuk, if I've, I thought I marked it in my Bible here. If you turn back to Habakkuk 2, verse 4, uh, part B of that verse says, But the righteous shall live by his faith. Um, so Paul, in trying to make his point very clear, what does he use to appeal to this point that he's making, he uses the Bible. Right? Oh, yeah. That makes that first of all, that's just make that that's a side note, but the Bible uh, Bible the Bible affirms what the Bible teaches is true, right? Yeah. So you know we've already talked about that a little bit, but the Old Testament here is what he's using to uh, to prove what this this thesis that he's trying to advance, uh, and this is the verse upon which like the whole world turned a couple of centuries ago uh, in fifteen in the fifteen hundreds. There's a guy named Martin Luther. Martin Luther, you know, sparked the Reformation. Um, in you know the the Catholic Church was horribly uh, corrupt and was doing all kinds of unbiblical things. And uh, Martin Luther was trying to figure out how he could get right with God. He was a monk, and he was he was constantly praying these long prayers and spending hours confessing his sin. But he always felt tormented. He always felt like he there was something more he had to do that he had never done enough to to earn God's good favor. And then in studying Romans, he poured over this verse over and over and over again. And then he understood this, that the righteous shall live not by works, but by faith. Mm-hmm. That if we're going to be righteous, and it's God's right declaration of us being righteous, we are declared righteous not by the works that we've done, but by our faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, flipping over to the book of Ephesians, uh, or excuse me, in Philippians. Uh, this is Philippians chapter 3. Um, Paul says, Indeed, I count everything as a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ my Lord. All right, so I know Jesus is my Lord because of the gospel. For his sake, I've suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish so that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. So there you have in Philippians 3 kind of a commentary of what's going on here uh, in Romans chapter 1, verse 17. The righteous are going to live by their faith. We don't need to live, as if we're Christians, if we believe in Jesus, we don't need to live as if we're under God's condemnation. Mm-mm. We need to live like God approves of us because he does. Right. Like justification is not something that we're waiting for. It is something that's already happened. If you're a Christian, if you've placed your faith in Christ, God will not abandon you. He will not forsake you. He will hold on to you. And you must live by that faith, right. living in that righteousness, doing what God has commanded you to do. Does that mean we're going to be sinless? Certainly not, right? Not in this life, not until we get into the next life. But our, the if we are declared righteous by God, it is only by our faith. And in living by our faith, we live to please the Lord uh, because we have, we've already, we, because Jesus has already secured our salvation. He's already secured our, uh, our justification, as the scripture says. We are right before a holy God right now. Mm-hmm. Regardless of you know, the, regardless of what happens in the rest of our lives, right? We are right before a holy God right now because of our faith in Christ. And if that faith is genuine, if it is true, it will 
bear fruit it in will. our lives. Yeah, we, we will also see the fruits of sanctification, the fruits of the Spirit, and the things like that. It's a huge verse. There's so much more we could say, so uh, but that kind of scratches the surface of what's going on here and uh, why this is such a big deal. And this is the thesis that Paul will spend the rest of the book of Romans unpacking, which we have our next podcast, if you, spoiler, right? Uh, if you want to go and listen to it, we're going to continue kind of walking through Romans here and un- unpack more of what we've said here in this hour. So Perfect. Um, at the very beginning of this, one of the things you said was we tend to make ourselves the main character of our own story. Yeah. But I think what the gospel does is it makes God the main character and I think when we take our focus from being the main character in our story every yep. single day and put our focus on making God the main character, that's when the fruit yeah. is born. Absolutely, yeah. And I, I just how, how, and it's easy for us to do to think that hey, my life's all that matters. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm the only, I'm the most important thing in the world. It's easy. Every every person has the tendency to uh, to live and to do that way. But I think contemplating the gospel, contemplating the 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 massive work that God has done in Christ and seeing that all of life should be lived not for the glory of man but for the glory of God radically reorients everything yeah. and that's and that's really where we begin to find joy in the Christian life and begin to find peace in the Christian life is saying hey, the world's not all about me not at all. you know God's God wants to be glorified through my life but the, the all of history is about it's about the Lord, you know. Uh, how how silly is it to think? I mean, we might live 65, 70, 75, 85 years if we're lucky. That's just a, a blip on the yeah. screen, you know. It's such a small—and I think I'm the most important thing in the universe. The gospel should radically humble us and yeah. say, you know, uh, in, on our faces before the Lord, I'm nothing. I can't even make myself righteous in your sight. Know. God, you have to come and make me righteous by sending your son Jesus Uh and I get to enter into that on the basis of faith. It is free to come to the Lord Jesus, even though to do so I have to give up everything. Yeah. Right. But that's a gloriously freeing thing to it do uh, when Christ is the center of your life. Yeah. Yeah. Dying to ourselves. And then whether you eat or you drink or in whatever you do, do, do it, it all to the, to the glory, glory of God. God. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. May anything else you want to add before we go today? No, not today. Uh, I, I I think that we've we've hammered this. Uh, yeah. Hopefully, it's been clarifying. Hopefully, it's been encouraging. Um, just to you know, just to remind you today, you can trust the Lord Jesus. Like whatever it is you're going through, yeah. um, your biggest problem has been taken care of today. If you are in Christ, your biggest issue your sin christ has borne it on the tree right he has borne it when he was crucified on the cross so hold on to that truth today do not be discouraged do not be dismayed god is at work and he is working as romans 8 28 says all things work together for good to those who love the lord to those who are the called according to his purpose amen yeah man and i want to encourage our listeners to um read the whole chapter we only went over two verses today and there's so much packed into this. And, and my favorite thing about Paul is when he starts a chapter, he, he's writing to the to a people, and he is telling them specifically something in the very beginning in his letters. And um, mm. and so that's one of my favorite parts about Paul. Anyways, yeah. uh, make sure you read the whole chapter. See and unpack all of that because there's so much in there. Yeah, that's good. That's awesome. Well, we will see you next time right here on the Creekside Podcast. 
Hey, thanks for taking the time to listen to this podcast today. I know there's a ton of things you could have spent your time listening to, but James and I are grateful that you spent some time hanging out with us. If you'd like to learn more about Creekside Fellowship, you can go to our website at creeksidefellowshiptn.com. Uh, you can find our contact info there. If you've uh, enjoyed listening to the podcast, you can rate and review and subscribe and all that fun stuff. And if you have any questions for us, you can email us at info at creeksidefellowshiptn.org. That's all on our website. You can also connect with us on social media. Thanks so much for taking the time to listen today. Hope you'll tune in next time.